Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the quick hitter version of Buckets, Boards, and Blocks from Pure Hoops Media. Our highlighted conversation this week was with Mark Jones of ESPN and ABC. Mark was prominently featured in the first two episodes of The Last Dance. Mark covered Michael Jordan extensively during the 1990s and reveals the aha moment when he realized MJ was the bona fide GOAT. I would say, you know, it was the 6-3 pointer game that was an early indicator for me when, you know, I, I people, he was so fundamentally sound and so skilled that I think that his mid-air acrobatics kind of overshadowed a lot of stuff in the first few years. But in that championship series against Portland, when I remember uh, being close to courtside on that, when he hit, I think it was his, his, last, his fifth or his sixth three-pointer in that game, and he hit it right over the top of Cliff Robinson, who was right up in his grill, and that's the one when he famously turned and with his palms skyward to the basketball gods saying, hey, I can't believe it either. That was, that was the moment, too. Like, you're thinking of my, I'm thinking to myself, holy cow, you mean he's going to mid-range people to death? He's going to dunk on people to death? And now he's going to shoot threes? Like, and he's going to dominate defensively by locking down you know, uh, Drexler and Porter? What else is he going to do? And for me, that was really a, a, a turning point. And then... You know, there were, there were other points. I, I, I remember when, um, you know, after the series that first time around, he would come into, and Bruce, you probably remember there was a car wash of networks that he would have to go through post game. He would stop with the networks, and uh, he would come and sit down with me when he was along that path. And even though he was being interviewed by us, and I'd ask him a question, everything kind of came back to him being able to try and dominate. And that's when his, his killer instinct, his spirit, his, his, his gravitas really started to, uh, you could, when it started to register on me. And it, it would be like in that 92 Portland Blazers series where he really showed his greatness early. And then obviously there was the, the crowning shot against the Utah Jazz over Brian Russell. Um, there were a couple moments in between that maybe weren't as, quite as definitive, but those are the ones, especially that first one, the six, three pointer game that stuck out for me. You know, it's funny when I asked you that question, I didn't really have an answer for myself because it all kind of ran together for me for all those years. But now yeah. that you mention it, I really do think that was the moment because that reaction from him was like, damn, even I don't believe I'm doing this. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was an out of body experience. Like I said, I mean, like Michael was all defensive player. He 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 was prolific driving and dunking on guys. His mid range game was unstoppable. 
and and you thought, holy cow, this guy's made six threes. I mean, what's Portland going to do now? They had tried everybody on him. They they had Jerome Kurt, and that Portland team was extremely good. They they ran through the Western Conference that year, and they had a great defender in Jerome Kersey. They had uh, Michael gave it to Kersey. He gave it to Cliff Robinson. He gave it to Drexler. He gave it to everybody that they put on him, and uh, that was the moment where I started thinking, oh my gosh, this this is over, and this guy, I don't even know if he's got a ceiling, you know. Man, that is, I'm so, I mean, I'm thrilled to be a millennial, but I'm so jealous that you guys <laughs> take all that in, in person. Yeah, and the, one of the other things, too, was he was, um, you know, I think about this day and age with social media and Twitter. I mean, Michael was so, Monica, Bruce, he was so accessible. He would come in. Here's the routine I remember from the NBA Finals. At the old Chicago Stadium, where, where we were still you know, at at the time in the early 90s, he would drive down that curved tunnel. It, was all, it almost had a bat cave feeling to it. And he would step out of his car. He would be flanked by a couple security guards. His trainer, Tim Grover, would be there. And he would walk right into the um, interview room with NBC. And he would take his stuff into the Bulls locker room. And he would always sit... I remember at the Bulls locker room, he had the first locker, one of the first two lockers as he went into the Bulls locker room, and he would sit right there. He wouldn't do like a lot of guys do, unfortunately, now. Like a lot of the premier players, the elite players in the NBA, you rarely see them in the locker room. They hide in the trainer room until one or two minutes before the locker room closes to the media. Then they come out, they take a couple questions, and it's over, right? So Michael... He would sit in the first or second locker room stall in the old Chicago Stadium Bulls locker room and sit around and you could interview him. I'd sit down beside him and talk to him. Hey, how's the family doing? How are your kids? And do you, do you see that hockey game or baseball game last night? And, and he'd love hearing you know, some of the other gossip that, that was going around. And he'd see me and say, hey, Marky, the other MJ, the other MJ. Because one time I, I jokingly called him the other MJ. And he, that's something that he le- never let me forget about. He was incredibly accessible for a superstar player back then. If you'd like to hear more from Mark Jones on Michael Jordan and the Bulls, check out Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. We have a new episode every Thursday from Pure Hoops Media.